0: Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the SWAT MMA podcast. I'm Jared here with Paul. What up? Coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. Today, we're going to be smoking and talking all about the UFC. We're going to recap the Apex fight night that saw Holly Holm get choked out rather surprisingly. We're going to talk about the BKFC, which saw Dave Mundell retain his middleweight title. We're going to talk about Francis Ngannou versus Tyson Fury in boxing, and we're going to talk about a potential opponent that would be legitimate for Francis Ngannou's first fight in the PFL next year. Before we get to the combat sports, though, you know what time it is, grab your stash. Fire it on up. Let's get into the weed of the week.
1: Smoke weed every day. All right. So this week we have a real new, pretty rare strain out in uh in, from California. We have some Blackberry Gary, which is a mixture of Sunset Sherbert. Some Gary Payton powers up, uh, and some Skittles V times two. VX. VX times two, sorry. VX, yeah. um, So this is a 50-50 hybrid, and it's made by Surge Cannabis. Um, so this one, what makes it like super rare is the Gary Payton strain that it is made with um, was finally selected from over,
0: what you say, like two? That, yeah, the they used that, they went on. They searched for over 400 seeds, yeah. four made it through, and two became mother plants. Uh, and then one, they were able to fucking uh, make a harvest from yep. and clone out.
1: Um And I mean, Gary Payton's one of those strains that has come out from Cookies that has that has gained a ton of popularity. Not only from its namesake of you know being attached to Gary Payton, the basketball player, but also being a really great strain. And uh, I think this is just one of those that take it to the next level. Yeah, it's this is really Surge nice Cannabis' food.
0: debut strain. It came out in September of 2022, so just, just a few months ago. And, you know, based on interviews with him, he's really seeking to make some really new and unique flavors based, of course, on the terpene profiles of the cannabis. And this one, for me, is is a fucking real winner. Yeah. Uh, the Blackberry notes are legit. It, oftentimes, with these types of strains, I find that, the notes are almost a wish you know what i mean the flavors are like it's almost psychosomatic like with wine i think yeah but this is almost reminiscent of a lot of the citrus strains which have that strong orange the Mm -hmm. blackberry flavor on this is almost equal to the strength of some of those like a dole whip with the pineapple and coconut flavors that you pull up real easily i think this is a great entry um if you like fruity strains yeah and the balance, you know, you said it's a 50-50 hybrid, and I got to say that seems accurate in how it makes me feel. I get a nice balance between head and body on it. Mm-hmm. I've been smoking on this. Got it, picked it up yesterday. Uh, really yeah. pleased with that so far. We got some super sour diesel left over from last week, too. We're going to be smoking on. And I even got this pen here. This is um, some this Resonates Cherry OG, which has a ridiculous flavor. Like the cherry on here, how did you describe it?
1: It literally tastes like like the bottom of the cherry juice and like a a bowl of maraschino cherries. It's very fucking
0: pungent, super. Buck- yeah, I find it really interesting because supposedly, again, this is from my understanding done with cannabis strain specific cannabis terpenes only. They're not adding cherry flavor to this, which is shocking. I would I'm hoping on my other podcast to be able to sit down or talk to or interview somebody from Canovative. About this line of products to answer that question because i would really like to know yeah Cause all of their their flavored um vapes are really strong on that like the melon ball that we had a few weeks ago tasted just like like honeydew and cantaloupe melons it's mm-hmm. crazy and it's to the point where you can even smell it when you open up the packaging so i don't know it's pretty wild shit but that's like 80 <clears> percent <throat> thc too so we're popping over here yeah hope you're mm-hmm. smoking on some good shit today too and of course, we want to thank our sponsor for this uh, Weed of the Week segment, which is Binoid. You can get good deals on Binoid CBD products and their Delta 9 THC products if you go to our website, which is what, Paul? me.com, Then hit the Cool Stuff button,
1: and you can check out all those deals.
0: Now, let's puff down. I'm going to hit this bowl. And let's start this show off, dude. I want to start it off a little bit differently. Let's talk about... Francis Ngannou and mixed martial arts then let's talk about Francis Ngannou in boxing because over this past weekend We had a a big KSW event that went down and it sparked a lot of talk actually uh, since then about a legitimate Opponent for Francis Ngannou because that is one thing his PFL deal has gotten a lot of criticism for isn't that right?
1: Yeah Um, A lot of people have been talking about uh, maybe the PFL's inability to get someone who's going to be a a big enough name for Francis to get, for not only the juice to be worth the squeeze with how much they're paying, but is going to be on that same skill level as Francis.
0: Well, that name, Phil DeFries, might be um, familiar to some UFC fans. He was in the UFC dating all the way back uh, through 2011 to 2013. He was young. He didn't do so well, but since 2017, the man has been on an absolute tear. Um, he is on a 12-fight win streak. He's undefeated in KSW, which, for those of you listening, if you perhaps are unfamiliar with that, that's a large promotion based in Poland, which gets actually really big numbers over there. They, they fill stadiums. They've had 57-something thousand people at their events live before. Um, just because it's not big here in America doesn't mean it's not big globally. And he is now um, with his victory, which was a second round submission victory this past weekend. He's now in his ninth straight title defense. Well, it's impressive. There's no denying it. You might people might scoff, perhaps, at some of the competition, but at some point, those numbers really start to add up and mean something, don't they? Yeah, especially at heavyweight, where things you
1: can just like change on dime uh, when it comes to you know power and just the size of the individuals. Uh, it's really hard to rattle off not only nine, but 12
0: straight wins. That's that's pretty nuts. Yeah, he beat Sizemore Bajor by technical submission, a rear naked choke. It was KSW uh, 84. Before that, he TKO'd uh, Todd Duffy in the first round, just lit Todd up, man, uh, which was unfortunate for Todd. We're fans of his on the show. He's a good dude, but he got dis- destroyed, and he's got – if you go down his victories um, here on his Wikipedia page, and we've got TKO, TKO, submission, TKO, 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 decision, decision, submission, TKO, submission, TKO, TKO, TKO. He's fucking people up. Yeah, is my point. Yeah, he's a big boy. He's six foot four, around two fifty, and he's big enough in Europe that a cross promotion between KSW and PFL, which have already shown interest in could do a legit stadium show over there.
1: <clears throat> yeah, and uh, it kind of goes back to what you were saying from before. Um, just because it's not huge over here does not mean it's not huge over there. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I think if you were to put that, like you were saying, in a stadium, it commercially would do pretty well, but I think like live gate-wise would be a fucking... Wild,
0: wild event. Yeah, I think it would be a home run. They could probably do an Mm 80,000-seat stadium. They were already talking about it. The owner of KSW has already proposed that idea. He's tweeting out pictures of the two, you know, uh, of DeFries and and Ganu and and calling for it. PFL has already indicated that they're open to this type of thing. Yeah. And they really need something like that with Francis anyways. Because at this point, based on what they have, we're resurrecting kind of over-the-hill guys like a like a Verdum, you
1: know. Well, and with that being said as well, I do think if you're talking about, you know, where the UFC is going with their, like, talent pool, I think that someone like Phil DeVries would, if not be fighting Francis next, could find himself right back in the UFC very soon if, you know, if this were to fall through. You know what I mean? This guy is on a tear, and he's one of the best heavyweights in the world that is not necessarily getting to fight all the other ones, you know?
0: Yeah, there's no denying
1: it at this point, you know?
0: Um, And I think that would be a great fight, so let's keep that on the radar here with Francis. I'm liking that his story is kind of shaking out for the good here. Yeah, it's everything he asked for. The first bits of criticism, they're already kind of, Falling away to the wayside like it was he'll never get to fight. Now he's got the fight. There won't be anybody for him to fight in PFL. There's already somebody emerging, and there's still plenty of time to find somebody else. Yeah. You know, I, I feel that defreeze is a legitimate fight for him. That's not a, I don't think that's him fighting any type of tomato can. Yeah, no. Um, now, more information is coming out about this Tyson Fury fight since we've last talked as well.
1: It's um, actually official now.
0: It's official. It is a professional bout. It's going on their records. Currently, the WBC title is not up for grabs, which makes sense to me. Yeah, me too. There is not a mandatory challenger for Usyk. From what I have read, the Saudis planned big heavyweight showdown card they wanted to do in December. They've changed their mind, and now they wish to do it in Towards the end of the first quarter of next year, which is why all of this opened up. So we've got Yusik fighting his mandatory against Dubois. We've got um Ruiz and Wilder angling for each other.
1: Are they gonna do that now?
0: They're they're yapping back and forth yeah. about it. Sounds they're funny. each saying the other one didn't want that smoke. <laughs> we'll see. Interesting. Ya. And now we've got of course Fury doing the one off here with Anganu. Yeah. Which is getting the typical criticism you would expect. But some of it, I think, has gone over the top. Namely, oh, yeah. Kevin Ioli's criticism and now Chael Sonnen's criticism is just outrageous. I don't know if you saw his post earlier today Understood. where he is calling Tyson Fury a bully and a coward for making this fight. Because he's going to kick Francis's ass so bad <laughs> that um, only... Only a bully would do such a thing and a man who's scared to face, you know, it just it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Yeah. Um, I think it's
1: all, you know, been put on by one Dana White. <laughs> Is I Kevin Ioli's
0: basically a UFC shill at the time. Oh point? yeah, he Is always he, has he, been. I mean he, come on.
1: During the Connor shit, during the you know, the John Jones um <laughs> you know drama he's had in the past. He seems to have always <coughs> took the u f c side and never the fighter side, and you know that's what he'll he'll be uh he'll be one of the names that that was wrong in the end, and just like Dana he is you know it doesn't matter how anybody feels about like whether what kind of level of chance Francis has the win in all this is getting the fight, getting the payday, and getting the fuck out of his u f c contract and he did all that. So everything anybody else has to say is really invalid at this point. Like, you know, they whether they challenge the validity of the fight, the um the you know aspect in which that they think that invalidates it is just doesn't make any sense anymore, you know, because it's happening. It doesn't matter what they feel like it's happening. You know. And that's really the biggest thing I would say. Um one thing I do want to talk about a little bit with this fight. Because there's been varying reports on what we're talking about money-wise.
0: Yeah, I was just pulling up the latest on that. Um, Jake Paul has chimed in on Francis's. Yeah. Eight. Supposedly, we've got a report that he's only getting eight million. Base, obviously, that's without without
1: pay-per-views and shit. Like
0: now, normally I don't put a lot of credence to things that Jake Paul says, but he might know some shit about this type of thing. Yeah. He does know his money. you you got to give the guy credit with that. And his fellow PFL signee and Nate Diaz of opponent, Jake Paul, says that Francis take takeaway is much more. In a recent tweet, Jake Paul said, quote, Francis is getting eight figures, not eight million. Get it right. Interesting.
1: And honestly, here's the thing. Eight million, eight figures doesn't matter because every single every single part of it is at least 10 times more than what he was getting in the UFC. It's I was looking up the other night just kind of, you know, getting ready for this conversation. Uh for instance, his highest payday in the UFC was his last fight against Cyril Ghan where he made $650,000. So it, it doesn't matter at this point if he's only making eight million dollars base if he's making eight million dollars base and it turns into let's say on the back end 20 20 25 30 30 million dollars in the end, that doesn't matter. it's still a win because what the UFC was paying him was so low and people want to come back and come back and go whoa eight million doesn't make any sense the UFC offered him a 10 million dollar contract. Yeah, they offered him a $10 million contract for five fights. So that's $2 million a fight
0: at best. And there's most likely a win bonus situation yeah, exactly. in there, mm-hmm. too, where that's if he won all five fights and yeah. maximized his value, he might get that much money.
1: So with that being said, whether it's $8 million, whether it's you know $50 million or anything in between, it it's still a win.
0: Now, the other person we have chiming in on this is his manager um, who – now look, there is some vested interest in blowing these numbers up and, yeah. and saying more than that that they actually are, but so take it with a grain of salt, but what he said was that he wasn't going to reveal the actual amount that Francis was getting paid, but it was without a doubt it was more than all of the money he had made in the UFC currently plus more added to that all the money he would have made if he had signed the contract the UFC offered him and done as well as he could with that the sum from this payday is more than all of that combined okay which doesn't sound that outrageous which is why i tend to believe it a little bit if you think about they offered him about a 10 million dollar contract max
1: and he probably made around four And i've heard he's made between
0: three and four million beforehand so okay so there's like 13 million dollars that he's roughly made a 15 million dollar contract
1: is not crazy
0: and him getting 15 mil plus a backing on this is not crazy at all because what a lot of people aren't understanding is this isn't like Al Haman's not putting this fight together. No. This is put together by Saudi money. That's why it's in Radia or however you say it. Forgive yeah. my ignorance. But I do know that they're looking to put on massive sporting events. And they're not looking to make money off of it. Well, they're, they're, it's an investment in another part. Yeah. They're, it's not, they're trying to, not to bank. It doesn't matter if they don't make money, if it doesn't sell. They don't care about that. Yeah. They care about being a prestigious sporting destination yeah. and building that up. And I, I just want to
1: break this down for people outside of the sport of MMA. We're talking about the same, the same guys were ready to offer uh, Lionel Messi up to a billion dollars. For a five-year contract to go play soccer in Saudi Arabia, they were they yeah. paid upwards of, you know, two, three, four hundred million dollars to countless golfers, <laughs> to to uh, play in live golf. They don't care about this idea of like like you were just saying. It's not like oh, it's the biggest sell of all time. No, it's about having the biggest fights of all time in that region
0: and in the in you know in their stadiums in their countries they're looking to change world perception they're not looking to make money off an individual event right now they're investing in the future of their country whether you believe that's the right thing for them to do or not it really doesn't matter that doesn't matter yeah like that and we're not talking about the the moralities of that region sports washing or none of that shit being right or wrong we're We're just talking talking about the aspect this is what they're doing and the, uh, just the endless disposable income that they have. Right. And the way this relates to Francis Ngannou is this motherfucker's getting paid and it doesn't matter if it sells a million pay-per-views or a half a million pay-per-views. He's going to get a big fat bag. Let's talk about that for a second. <coughs> Where hmm. do you think this <coughs>
1: best case, like, give me a floor ceiling on how many pay-per-views this does.
0: <coughs> I think some of it depends on the product. <laughs> If they keep it around $50 I think that they shouldn't have a problem doing a half a million and they should be able to do a million if this promoted correctly yeah I don't see why not Francis ngannou has got a tremendous story Tyson Fury's a showman and it's got the freak show element that should bring in the casuals I mean Connor versus Floyd worldwide did something like six or seven million pay-per-view buys now they so they only talk about the 4.9 million or whatever that was u.s based but worldwide i know it, it did even more than that mm-hmm. um now this won't do that well because it's not going to have that build up yeah it's not gonna be a world tour like Connor's is a special star and Ganu's not that guy and neither is tyson fury for that matter yeah. but there tyson is Fury's definitely alone. something there
1: yeah um so give me a number
0: floor ceiling I say it's gonna do eight hundred thousand. And what's the lowest? It's the high. I'm a maybe a mil, three fifty.
1: Yeah, I'd probably say around the same. I think it does like on the lowest of lows, it does like a quarter of a mil, and the highest, the highest, I think it does like one point five. Because what we saw, and that would put it like somewhere in that top ten all time, right? Because yeah, something like that. You put it somewhere in there. Yeah. All right. So, let's uh stick with a little bit of, uh, the boxing side of things. Let's talk about bare knuckle boxing though. Over Dude, BKFC 47. the Forty Seven. Yeah. Over the weekend, we saw Dave Mundell uh get Mike the Marine Richmond out of there in the second round in his first title defense under since he had won the belt. After the fight, calls out Mike Perry. What are your thoughts?
0: Uh, that two packs a lot of power i mean he by by his own admission he wasn't fighting very good in the first round until he got knocked down by uh the marine and then that just kind of woke him up and then after that he really went on a tear i mean he knocks richmond down i think it was twice in the first round or once in the first twice in the second before the stoppage um him and perry is going to be a dog fight like dave mundell is no joke i mean we've had him on the show He's a real serious guy. He takes the fighting serious. He's a hard-working guy. And Perry is tough as nails, and they're kind of similar, not in their personalities, but in their uh, fighting abilities and the power that they're packing. Mm -hmm. He might be able to fucking knock Mike Perry out, actually.
1: Yeah, and I I think it's going to be real interesting to see what they do to get Perry to back into the BKFC because he has talked a little bit recently about he's doesn't know if he's going back to BKFC, doesn't know if he's going back to MMA, doesn't really know right what you know what his next move is. So this fight over the weekend could have like, you know, been that come
0: on, come get the and belt. Richmonds and Elite. I mean, for oh, those, yeah. I mean, BKFC is still pretty young. He is an elite, one of their top tier definitely prior to that knockout in the top five fighters in their entire promotion, yeah, he's up if not sure. the top three. Yeah, um, I mean he's right up there with Louis Palomino and, mm-hmm. and obviously Lorenzo Hunt, and then him, right? I mean, who else was it? <clears throat> yeah. Only now he's coming off now back-to-back knockouts, so he's tumbling from that post a little bit. But you couldn't ask for a, a bigger statement win for David Mundell than that. Absolutely. Against the best person he could be fighting that's yeah. not named Mike Perry. Yeah. Now that's he's true. just got to cross his fingers and hope Perry resigns. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's a real good fight for them and I think it's uh, maybe could even headline the next Knucklemania. Yeah, definitely.
0: And <clears throat> Perry with the title shot. to would be a good build up too. Right. I like it.
1: Perry's like a wild version of Dave Mandel. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they look kind of similar. They fight pretty similar and like Mike Perry's just a fucking crazy person. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mandel's a bunch more quiet, reserved. You know what I mean? Like blue-collar, working-class dude. But Perry's a lot more flamboyant.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a good event overall, though. Yeah. Um, another winner in the bank for PKFC. Now, let's shift a little bit. We had a another lackluster event, dude, at the fucking Apex.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I didn't watch it. I'm not going to pretend that I did. I can't do the Apex cards anymore, but I did catch of course the main event which saw you know I really thought Holm was going to win that fight honest be frank. Yeah. Uh, and instead she gets a, just a nasty nasty guillotine choke put on her. Yep. And then now we've got Bueno Silva calling out Juliana Peña for yeah. that vacant title shot instead of uh Raquel Pennington and talking a little bit of shit at the press conference afterwards. She was kind of funny. Yeah, it's interesting too, cause, uh she also trains
1: as an American top team, so you know, that her and Amanda probably have crossed paths quite a few times and kinda said that her overall, you know, sentiment to sentiment to it was like she wanted to keep the belt in Brazil and you know yeah, all yeah. that all that good stuff. Um
0: it's Is an she legit. she's You think she's a legit contender for the title?
1: You gotta be if you you do what you just did to Holly Holm. Right. You know, no one does that. Like and even in the people who have have beat Holly in the last few years. It's more been like real close decisions or, uh, you know, it's not go out, dominate, choke her out, and put her to bed. Like, in the first round, that's pretty crazy. We haven't seen that at all really since, you know. That's one thing about Holly that's kind of been in this portion of her career she's fought a lot of these contenders and had some mixed results. And even in the close fights she's lost, she's never looked, you know, outmatched. In this fight, she was outmatched. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it does put it does put the UFC kind of in a weird spot though, because you do have Juliana Pena there, who pretty much is, you know, kind of maybe the more cemented contender that is going to be in that vacant title shot. I but, guess. I mean, I mean it's hard was, to deny
0: her because she got the, she was the champion over fucking Dunez, yeah. but as the rematch so clearly showed that it was a Matt Sarah esque, not fluke, but it was the right moment and the right time for her to get to victory it was the combination of her aggressiveness and her skills that met up with amanda's lackadaisical preparation and attitude in that fight yeah and it showed in the second fight where there was really no need for a third i don't think a trilogy fight was ever going to happen look sometimes they don't happen they're just not needed sarah gsp never had a trilogy nobody was fucking crying about that were they no yeah and i think the similarities there are pretty strong i mean you know Amanda put it on her so bad in that fucking rematch. It was like, well, do we need to see this again? I mean...
1: Yeah, no, I feel that. Kind
0: of cemented the narrative from the first one, which was Pena took advantage of a mentally compromised Amanda Nunes. It's what she's supposed to do. That doesn't take anything away from Pena, but it doesn't mean that you have equal skills. You didn't inherit Amanda's skill set. I don't think it means that
1: either, but I also do think that coming from being the champion two fights go, losing the belt and then the belt being vacated kind of similar to where like Jan Blahovich was at like yeah. you you kind of give that person the benefit of the doubt of being able to to at least be in that vacant title fight yeah. um who she fights uh, there could be two or three different options you know you still have like Caitlin Vieira out there you still have Raquel Pennington and you, and then obviously Bueno Silva has such a big win over Holly Holm you know
0: it, the talk thus far has been her and Raquel Pennington and I, and I'm a fan of Pennington's I think she'd win that fight. You think so? Yeah. I could be jaded. I just don't like Juliana Pennington. I've never liked her. <laughs> I, know, I never thought never she was that her. good. But you, you're always about The like way it Juliana is, Pennington. I'm always going to just, bah. but I'm willing to admit my bias. Yeah. But I, I think Raquel Pennington has really come into her own, you know, over the past few years. She's yeah. really improved her game and is fighting at that elite level. Yeah. But I had no idea that Buena Silva was good like that. I really did I don't She kind of flew under did. my radar. Yeah,
1: she flew under the radar for sure. I thought she
0: was just kind of a sacrificial lamb mm-hmm. for Holly to get, you know, in the title shot mix, honestly. Yeah. And now look. <clears throat> well. I believe she's 5-0 and oh in the UFC now. If yeah. I, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm pretty certain that was the numbers. I don't have them in front of me at the moment, but. And honestly, she's
1: kind of what this division needs. It's kind of something me and you had spoke about when Amanda retired that – there was kind of going to be this recycled amount of, a bunch of recycled names that are going to be in this title picture now because it once was Amanda and all these people she beat. And now that those fighters have a chance, like (laughs) let's talk about this for a second, but also you got people like Ronda Rousey going out on social media talking about this WWE run I've been on is stale. I'm going to come back to the UFC and show everyone why I was really the baddest woman on the planet. Like, oh, you think there's any coincidence that that just so happened to be right after Amanda Nunes retired? No way. So it, it, there's just going to be this kind of recycled number of, like, contenders that are going to come into the picture, like Holly Holm. If Holly Holm would have won this fight on, fr- uh, on Saturday night, she would have been in the title fight against uh, uh, fucking Juliana Pena. And there would be no questions asked. Because, you know, now Amanda's gone and opens this door for all these people that Amanda's beat. Holly, Rhonda,
0: Misha Tate, all these all these ladies are now back in the picture. Oh. That Ronda shit is just embarrassing. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but could you be more transparently afraid of Amanda Nunes? I mean... Or out of touch with the sport.
1: You think... I don't think she has any chance against Juliana Pena. I don't think she no, has any chance Juliana against Pena Raquel Pennington. That ass, boy. Yeah, Raquel, Raquel Pennington past, will whoop Ronda's
0: ass, too. The game has passed Ronda Rousey by years ago. Years ago. You going embarrass Fuck. herself. Fuck, will whoop her ass. Yeah. These are active fighters now. They're, yeah. Ronda's game has not evolved. Pena would destroy her. Yeah. Like, no, no. I don't even want to see it. I don't know. A... Please don't. Yeah. <laughs> I agree.
1: But with that being said, uh, we'll see what happens next. So now let's kind of dive into next week's UFC Fight Night. This one is a pretty good uh, card overall. Is this at the Apex? Uh, or we sure. actually have a crowd that for one. those Not sure on that one. This is kind of a, a redemption card, though, if you look at the top. Uh, we have Tom Aspinall taking on Marcin Tybora, uh in Aspinall's first fight since he tore his ACL fighting um uh Curtis Blades in that big main event, which was kinda kinda be, you know, the taking off point for him being in that title picture. Right now he sits at number five. I think Tabora's number like eight or nine, something like that. Mm, um yeah, yeah. it's just like a good chance for, you know, Tom Aspinall to wash that bad taste out of his mouth from that last fight would, you know, losing by an injury TKO is is always kind of a weird thing in, in the UFC, because you definitely still lost, but it's, you know, circumstances beyond your own control, and um yeah, and then also in the co-main event, we have Molly McCann trying to get things back on track,
0: so this should be... This should be interesting for the top two. I'm not going to pretend I know who her name, who her opponent is. It's a fighter. It looks to me with a record of, you know, ten, eight, and two that they're kind of bringing in in the hopes that Molly can. It's a tune up. Get a little bit of a tune up in there. There's nothing wrong with that. Honestly, I wish they did it fucking more in mixed martial arts than they, than they tend to do. So I think that's good for her. She's a good fighter. She's entertaining. Yeah. Um, And she always gives it a good go. Mm -hmm. So have got Nathaniel Wood versus <clears throat> Andre Tachifile. That, that should a be a decent good one. fight right there. That could be a fight of the night candidate. You know, Paul Craig dropping back down to middleweight. He's always fun. I guess Andre Munoz. That should be real, really interesting
1: grappling wise because you know you got Paul Craig, who's one of the best grapplers in all of mixed martial arts, and you got Muniz who's a a former world champion in in jitsu as well. So it's those kind of fights where it, it, there's going to be some some scrambling. For sure, going on. That should be interesting, though, for Paul Craig going back to 85. Because I think that his biggest mistake when he would get into these, you know, fights at light heavyweight was he would come in just a little bit smaller than guys. I think we really saw that in his last fight against Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker looked fucking humongous. And Craig looked like a middleweight. You know what I mean? And uh, so this should be a real interesting
0: fight as well. How do you feel about the main event? I think Tom Aspinall is supposed to win it. I think he's supposed to go in there, keep it standing, get to KO. Tybor's think... a live dog, though. That dude oh, is Tabor no is very legit, yeah. but this is a setup for Aspinall to prove he deserves to be in the title contention.
1: Well, just speaking betting-wise right now, they do have Tybor at a plus 333 underdog. Ooh. Yeah. And trust oh. me, I, I, I'll, as I see this fight... I see this fight as you do, as far as like Aspinall kind of getting back on track, and this is the fight to do it. But at plus 333,
0: I mean, it's not the worst bet in the world. No, actually, if that stays at those odds, I would consider putting some money. Down. Just put a little bit of money on it, and just see what happens. I mean, a
1: heavyweight who's legit. And Cyborg has been known in the past over to,
0: plus three hundred always, I think, a live bet. And
1: in the past too, he's he's been known to be the guy who you know spoils the, the big, uh, you know. The hype train, I would say. You oh, know, he this did really a great 2 arena. Oh, is it? Oh, sick!
0: Oh, see, I didn't even know. That's so much better. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, and this that was when the last London card is when Aspinall fought le- uh, last when he tore his ACL.
0: Yeah, okay, thank God. That, that's a lot better. That explains why we got Molly McCann headline. I was like, why would they put Molly McCann in the fucking Apex? Oh, yeah, nothing. Yeah, that's She's a lot better. Live. She's too She's She has too much energy for the Apex. She'd blow the roof off the place with nobody in there. Yeah, this is Tom Aspinall's chance here. Yeah, he's plus 330, minus 440 on Aspinall.
1: Crazy, dog. I mean, it's crazy, but at the same time, Aspinall is a fucking good fighter, man. He's probably one of the most well-rounded heavyweights in the in the whole division yeah, outside striking. of Jon Jones.
0: Legit, too. He's got power. His his fight IQ seems to be good. He moves real nice. He's got jiu-jitsu, too, and yeah. wrestling as well. It's number five it's versus cool. number ten.
1: Hmm. Yep. But the only thing that sucks is heavywe- at heavyweight is there's really no... There's really no defined role to get yourself to a title shot right now no. with jo- I mean, with Jones and Stipe announced now, like, it's just weird because there, that could be a double retirement moment where, like, Jones beats, Stipe jumps on the mic. It's like, I've done it all. I've beat him. I, you know, beat the so-called greatest heavyweight of all time. And now I'm the greatest heavyweight of all time Peace. You know what I mean? And Stipe could retire right then. And there, Stipe too. could be like, man. That sucked. He could two. win and he
0: could yeah. retire. Oh, same way too, yeah. It's been good. It's been great. Peace out. Yeah, either way, there's a strong chance that the UFC belt could be vacated after that event. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. There's just kind of this
1: turning of the guard now, right now in the UFC as a whole. We're starting to see some of the people that were so you know key in that that moment where the UFC became you know, a real national, like, juggernaut of a sport are starting to, you know, just slowly but surely be gone. We're seeing every fight card, every fight night, every, you know, every pay-per-view. It's just another guy gone. Another... To think Jose Aldo doesn't fight for the UFC anymore. Mm-hmm. To think fucking, you know, all the guys. Robbie Lawler, you know, possibly Jones and Sibe, Daniel Cormier, you know, pseudo Conor McGregor you know, what I mean? you know what I mean he's kind of retired but not really you know like he's yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's just crazy because now like all these titles are going to be changing hands and new stars are going to be born and I think Tom Asmrall has a real chance to be one of those stars you know yeah, he's, definitely. he's he's good on the microphone too he's he can definitely generate a crowd as we've seen in these last couple uh, fight nights he has headlined over there it's drawn wild you know Crowds that have made everybody appreciate him even more since COVID, you know, times to now. Um, So, yeah, I think this is a huge chance for him. And to round out the show today, we were talking about, right now, vacated titles. Unfortunately, we have another vacated title in the UFC. As Jamal Hill tore his Achilles over the weekend and had to vacate his
0: light heavyweight title. He actually tore it during International Fight Week. News didn't come out for a minute, playing a fucking pickup basketball game against Daniel Cormier. Which is <laughs> even worse. Jeez. But
1: let's talk about it where it kind of leaves the division. So we have Yuri who is we don't really know what his status is medically. I and mean, he's definitely not coming back
0: in the next thirty days or anything. No. We yeah. can't book a fight with him.
1: And then we have this fight coming up. In what two weeks from now, that is basically supposed to be who he fights for the vacated title, which is
0: Jan Blahovic versus Alex Perea. This is the yeah, obviously it's a 205, but this is Perea's debut at 205.
1: Which begs the question, though, with that being what everyone, including the UFC, has called the number one contender fight, why don't you just make that for the vacant title and then we move on in that winner?
0: Fights here the only Hodge thing that I've heard against that argument right now is that these two fighters, are preparing for a three-round fight, and you'd be bumping it to a five, on and like that's two weeks notice, and that's, that's also the only downside I've heard.
1: Yeah, and that's also what we have heard. Well, that's also why we saw someone who was Alex's teammate in Glover Teixeira back out of that original fight uh, versus what was it? He was going to fight Jan or he was going to fight. Uh, what's that? British? Not British. Got the Dagestani guy. Yeah, Magomedov. Uh, yeah, Magomedov. In you know, a couple months back when Hill ends up winning the title, right? Um, right. So now I, I feel like we're right back where we were at, though.
0: You know, <laughs> it's like, do they do it? Is it worth it? Well, what about Yom Lohovich versus Alex Perea for that title? Does Alex deserve that shot? Think about it for a second with his. What is he, 7-2 and two in all of mixed martial arts coming on his second, third title fight? That'd be pretty wild. I mean, he won the title, then he loses it. He doesn't get the rematch. Goes to light heavyweight. Walks his way into a title shot yet again just by bad luck for Hill. What if he were to win? <coughs> he deserves it. Wouldn't that be crazy if he beats Blahovich? I think that's a tough out for him, anyways. But then again, maybe not. Maybe he's so fucking good. And did you ever wonder how he made one eighty five? That's what I mean, I'm saying. Did you ever look at that man and go, "I don't understand what's happening here"? Yeah. Because that's a, one of the largest weight cuts in the UFC. That's like the fifty-five to seventy jump. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's big dudes, and he's not fat. No. He's very, well,
1: very lean. He was in the cage versus Izzy. At 2.26. That
0: was 24 hours later. Like, how compromised was that man? And I'm not trying to take shit away from Izzy at all. It's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying how compromised has he been at 85 that maybe we don't even know. Maybe he doesn't even know. I mean, he could come in at 2.05 and be a whole different fucking beast because, like, he's fully hydrated.
1: Yeah.
0: He's possibly even bigger. Yeah. And he could unleash hell on Blahovich. Mm-hmm. I mean, what if he goes in there and KOs the dude that fucking beat Izzy at his venture into 205? I mean, it just opens up the whole chapter of their rivalry again.
1: Oh, yeah, it opens it to all know of what fights, I mean? He beats yeah. the guy who beat Izzy? Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck, bro. And then Izzy really has, outside of Dracus, once he were to fight Dracus and win, there's really nobody outside of, like, Strickland and, nickel I guess <laughs> that that really like you know could make any kind of sense like pay-per-view wise apps. yeah but is he even in 85 we don't even who know who knows that um, on ice and that just begs the question you know like why don't they run it back in 205 Izzy wants he's always said he still wanted to go back to 205 eventually
0: well, I would think Izzy would want to get these fights back because he can feel yeah. as happy as he can about those that victory, but he's still down in the series. Like yeah. if you we were doing this as a scoring, as a series, I like could playoff sports. He's lost. He's, yeah, was it three to one? Something like that. Yeah, he's one and one in MMA and two and zero oh in kickboxing. Yeah. So he's down three to one against this guy. You'd think mm-hmm. he'd want to fucking at least do the rubber match in MMA. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kickboxing aside, at least get the. Get it back in MMA. Yeah, and then you're just down to him in kickboxing, but you got the yeah, edge in MMA, is. which is yeah. you're both doing it. Now you which got all you the can, bragging rights back. Yeah, and, and then especially with
1: someone like Izzy or Adesanya, you can totally spin that and be like, Psh, you beat me in kickboxing, When we really fought? Like, when we could do whatever the fuck we could, I, I whooped your ass.
0: But then, dude, does Izzy want to go up to 205 again without gaining the proper weight and fight a guy that's even bigger <clears throat>
1: now? What if he does do it the right way, though? What well, if Izzy views one eighty five as uh, a just a wasteland of guys he's he's beat and doesn't feel like you know basically doesn't feel like he has has to really defend that title and just decides to go up to two hundred five permanently. I mean, he could take a year off and bulk up. Yeah, not even. Just then. I don't even think he would have to take a year off. I think he would just you know have to change the way he trains because. It doesn't, from what I've seen, like in, whether it's like countdowns and all, all the because you know he does a really good job of documenting his career. Um, I see a lot of, a lot of like ways in which he trains that keeps him the size he is. Okay. So I think maybe if he were to you know, kind of focus more on the physical aspects of things. But also that's kind of not him too. So I don't know. It's it's interesting, of how he would get to two hundred five. It'd be an interesting uh, story, I think, too.
0: This injury to Hill just makes this fight between Perea and Hovetic that much more consequential. Even if the UFC decides not to make it for the title for some reason, but I really don't. Even if they make it an interim, <coughs> perhaps they do it for that. I, I don't. I don't know. But the benefit yeah. there would be since the title's vacated and there's not an injured champ actually sitting out yeah.
1: he relinquished it but i also think there's an image thing that the ufc does not like in that's having a vacant title in you know in having you know a, a number one contender fight and not making it for said vacant title we've seen it countless times over the last couple of years that if a title's vacated, it's pretty much given to whoever was going to fight for the belt next yeah. anyways, you know?
0: I think it's just a matter of time before they make that announcement.
1: Yeah. Well, and uh, something I saw, I follow, like, this MMA messaging board on Facebook. It gets, gets kind of stupid sometimes, don't get me wrong. But um, I saw that the UFC, some dude who, like, owned a bar said that the UFC sent them an email and posted the email that said... Uh, order UFC 290 now for your bar or restaurant featuring two title fights between Justin Gaethje and Dustin Poirier and um, Jan Blachowicz and Alex Pereira. Yeah. Which... There you go. It's I mean, it's an easy sell. Like, exactly. What it said. is an easy, easy sell. And it,
0: it adds more legitimacy to the supposed title on the line between Gaethje and Poirier, which is an awesome fight, but a, a, a ridiculous almost, thing yeah. to call a title. No. Because... If that's a real title now, like they're treating it and not just that one-off thing for that fight like I thought it was, then how come Masvidal, every fight of his afterwards wasn't for that title? That doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, all the guys that kicked his fucking ass on the way out the door should be passing that title back around. Yeah. Like, you don't just win it and then...
1: It is what it is. You retire (laughs) and then people
0: fight for it after you got your ass kicked how many times? I'm baffled by the need... For the UFC to do that? Well So what what is the winner of this fight there just remain the BMF no matter what <laughs> happens until what they retire and then yeah. they'll there'll be another one. You just you're that till you retire? Is that I, how yeah, it works? I don't really know. Or is it just basically on how the UFC needs it in case they don't have a title fight to put up there something you can defend?
1: <laughs> that sounds a lot more li- likely in this scenario.
0: I don't know. It's a silly thing,
1: but but we'll get more into that next week as uh, we go over that fight card and get closer to that. But I think that about wraps us up for today.
0: Yep, for sure. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks to Binoid for sponsoring uh, our Weed of the Week segment. You can get good deals on their products. Plus, you can find pretty decent deals on some clothing items from the UFC store as well. And help out the podcast? if You simply use the links
1: where? SwatMay.com or you can head over there. Hit the gear button, buy a t-shirt, support the podcast. Then you can head over to Instagram and follow us at Swap and Made Podcast.
0: Thanks, everybody. We'll
1: see you next week. Peace.